0: All right. Before we get into the episode today, we just wanted to express our gratitude and appreciation for everybody who is listening right now. We wanted to give everyone an update as well at how the show is going so far, because we didn't have any expectations going into this. And now we just want it to be shared to as many people as possible. So as many people as possible can be helped. But a quick update to the stats, because I'm a stat geek about everything but our show stats so far um we have 80, 81 subscribers which is awesome and we have over 700 downloads through six weeks and almost to 1400 plays on apple podcasts alone so we're so happy about that and we just want to express our gratitude and appreciation to everybody
1: Yeah, thank y'all so much. We appreciate it. Um, We also just want to give a quick shout out to our Instagram. Um, It's into the light 5024. We're going to be posting content on there weekly, um, hopefully multiple times per week so that um, we can just give some more substance to the content that we're posting and some more resources as well as more information just so we all can learn and grow together. Um, And so go to that. Um, If you guys want to shoot us a DM there, you can. It might be easier to get a hold of us. Um, But yeah, Into the Light 5024.
0: Awesome. And also, we're going to be posting most of our stuff on Instagram from here on out. We might also post to our Facebook stories. But look to Instagram for episode links and descriptions and everything like that. So anyways, we love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening and sharing this episode, and we hope you enjoy listening to the amazing Lord Green. Green. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Into the Light podcast. We are so absolutely excited for our episode today because- Pumped. Pumped. This is our first episode- that's not about Braylon and I, so Braylon and I are very excited about our that. Our
1: egos are shot a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just kidding. We're kind of sick of talking about ourselves, not going to lie. At least I am, I don't know. Oh yeah, sick yeah. of it. Bray agrees. But we have one of our best friends in the whole world on the podcast today. Yeah, And for sure. I know you probably think that we say that every week, but that's because so far, this is our fourth episode, and we're a pretty tight group.
1: Pretty close, bros.
0: Yeah, I love it. We're excited. So Bray's gonna introduce our guest. Yeah,
1: today. and so Laura, my for, my my soon-to-be roommate actually, um, lives with us in Provo here, and she is our best friend, and we have a really close knit friend group, like Aaron said. Um, but Laura, we want you to open it up, and we want you to start. Um, we want we want to start off with where you grew up. How many siblings do you have? What kind of home did you live in? Um, Not just home, home, structural-wise, but like the culture of your home. How kind of was that Um, regarding the church, regarding um, anything, regarding how your parents taught you, um, as well as your church participation within yourself and within your family. So
0: wait, just one second. Before we get into that, I just want to say one thing about Laura. <laughs> she said no. <laughs> <laughs> if if any of you have ever met Laura, which I'm sure some of you have that are going to be listening to this, but Laura is someone who is very naturally a connection person. Mm-hmm. She is a natural connector to everyone around her and I think I mean I think of her as one of my best friends. Um, but I think almost everyone that spends a little bit of time with her thinks of her as one of their best friends. So I don't know how special I feel yeah. in that regard. But Fair it's just because of how cool, Laura eh? is around people. Yeah, She's so, so good at connecting to people so, and just being yeah. genuine and authentic. So, yeah, we're super excited. Sorry for interjecting that. Sorry That's for important. making you uncomfortable, Laura. I
2: hate compliments. But, yeah, please, <laughs> please jump
0: in to your background. We'd love to hear a little bit about yourself.
2: Awesome. Okay. Um, Well, first off, also Bray and Aaron are the best. I just feel like since they complimented me, they need to be uncomfortable as well. So they are seriously the coolest humans. So if you're listening to this podcast, you are doing something right because they are changing the world one podcast at a time. But anyways, (laughs) (laughs) um, so yeah, so my name is Laura. Um, I grew up in Southern California, um, just like northern Los Angeles area. So it's called Valencia, if anyone knows where that is. Um, Super awesome. I have four siblings. I have three older sisters and a little brother. We are extremely tight. They are literally my best friends. I absolutely love them. Um, So my three older sisters are married. They all have kids. Being an aunt is the greatest thing on planet Earth and my favorite thing. Um, Let's see, as far as my home goes, um, I grew up in a very, very loving home. I have incredible parents. Um, Really just set the mood that Christ was the center of every single thing that we did, everything we talked about, related back to Christ, related back to his gospel. Um, A big part of that is because of my mom. She had photos of him around our entire house. Um, She would put scriptures up on our cabinets every single year for like the scripture mastery for seminary. She would put them up on our cabinets, and we would have to read them, recite them, memorize them, sign off if we got it right. And it, like, (laughs) covered our whole house. I was like, Mom, you're kind of psychotic.
0: Sounds Um, like seminary.
2: (laughs) No, yeah. She ended up being my seminary teacher, so (laughs) it all checks out. But an incredible woman. I seriously adore my mom. She really made Christ the center, and that's how my family pretty much functions. We all served missions. Um, We're all still active in the church. We love the church. The gospel is one of the many conversations we always have with each other. We're either talking about Christ or the Dodgers, and that's pretty much it that we talk about. which <laughs> only is two involved. important
1: things in the world. Exactly. <laughs>
2: uh, that's
0: arguable. <laughs> <laughs> if it's okay, uh, where did you serve your mission, and how was that experience like?
2: Yeah, um, so I served my mission. I was in the Korea Seoul South mission. I was there for six months, and then with COVID, I was reassigned. So I was home for 10 weeks, and then reassigned to San Antonio, Texas, where I served for transfer. And then the mission split and I went to Austin, Texas. So kind of a lengthy answer. Um, I adored my mission though. It taught me to surrender my will to the Lord, (laughs) to just give it to him when I wanted things to go a certain way. I wanted to go English speaking stateside. I did not want to learn another language. So naturally I went to Korea and learned a language I couldn't even read. It was very humbling. You learn to give your entire self to the Lord and just rely on him to strengthen you and help you do things that are beyond your control. So, yeah.
0: Can you say something really cool in Korean?
2: Oh, gosh. Put me on the spot. The first vision. Annyeonghaseyo. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. 안녕하세요. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just do like my introduction was always like, 안녕하세요 Chega 그린 jami Wow. And I get into like a high voice when I do it. <laughs>
0: kind of <fun. laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So we wanted to talk about your story um, because there's a reason that we have you on this podcast. So it's great to have a little bit of background and see where you're coming from. Um, and we love your testimony already. But this, this episode is going to kind of focus on OCD um, and a certain type of OCD. So we want to ask you where your story begins. Go way, way back, as far as you can remember.
2: Oh, goodness. All right, here we go. Um, <clears throat> so as far back as I can remember, I was probably around the age of eight So I hadn't really dealt with anything up until that point. Um, Pretty normal kid, bossy, annoying, bratty, all that good stuff. (laughs) Um, So pretty normal. (laughs) Um, But I turned eight, and something kind of started developing. I started getting this impulse where I would just want to pluck out my lashes, my brows, hair, basically any hair on me. My brain would tell me not to do it, and my body would just do it. Um, At the time, I didn't know... But it's actually a disorder called trichotillomania, which at the time I didn't know it was a disorder. At the time I didn't know it was a form of OCD. At the time I thought I was just weird. It was just a bad habit that I had that I couldn't kick. Um, But as far back as I can remember, it just started at a young age, and I had no idea what was going on for the most part.
1: So, How did you like... How would you deal with it? Did you did you talk to somebody about it? Did you open up about it when you were young? Or was it just kind of a secret for a long time?
2: Um, I tried to keep it a secret. It was definitely something that I like would do by myself when I was alone, when I was stressed, bored, anxious, any of those feelings. Sometimes when I was happy, basically just when I was alone. So I tried to hide it, um, but it's not something that you can really hide mm-hmm. because I physically started looking different very quickly it was like overnight and I had a lot of people ask if I was sick if I was unwell my mom actually was the biggest one who would always ask like what's going on are you sick like are you feeling okay Um, and so she was the first person I opened up to about it told her what was going on told her that I was trying not to and I just felt really really ashamed I think it was something that brought a lot of guilt whenever I would do it Um, which in turn, I'm like a primary student learning at church that guilt comes after sin. So I reached this point where I was like, this is a sin. Like, I am doing something wrong. I don't have control over what I'm doing. Satan is tempting me. And, like, I just felt awful all the time. It brings extreme feelings of guilt. But my mom was pretty much the person that I would go to for a lot of help and strength during the time.
0: I think that brings up a really good point about... I guess the misconception a lot of people have about guilt versus shame, because I think what you just described isn't actually guilt. Yeah. It's a lot of shame. Um, I wanted to ask how long do you think it was before or since once you started pulling out your eyebrows and eyelashes until it was noticeable enough that people started to ask you about it. How long was that time period in between?
2: Um, I would say probably, I would say a matter of months. It honestly shifted really fast. Um, Because I looked one way, and then a couple of months later, I looked a completely different way. And so it posed a lot of questions at school. I had a lot of kids just coming up and asking things. And it wasn't meant to hurt me, and I know that. It wasn't meant to come up to me and like bully me or mock me. But it was words that have stuck with me, words that were just like, oh, what's wrong with your face? Or like, why do you look sick all the time? Different things like that. So it didn't take long um, before people noticed. Because I'm going to be honest, I looked like a completely different person
0: and you're talking this is around like 8 9 10 years old elementary school age?
2: Yep. Yep. So okay. 8 9 10 is probably where it started.
0: Where and it started. and if you think about your the perception you had of yourself when you were 7 years old compared to the perception you had of yourself when you were 9 and you were being asked those questions, what was that difference like? How did you how did you feel about yourself and your own confidence level?
2: Oh boy, it plummeted. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Yeah. Um I went from being a pretty I mean a 7-year-old's You know, I had the whole world in my hands. I thought I was the coolest chick on the block. Um, And then in a matter of years, I just had absolutely no confidence in my physical appearance, Um, which was really hard. I have beautiful siblings, a beautiful family, and people would tell me I looked like I was adopted. I looked like I didn't belong in the family. And I just didn't look like my sisters. And that was so hard for me because I was like, but they're beautiful. I want to look like my sisters. Mm -hmm. Um, so my confidence just was completely shot. I did not really think anything of how I looked physically.
1: Yeah. I don't know about you, but between the ages of, like, 8 and 10, it's when girls usually uh, are, like, either developing pre-puberty or, like, have more awareness of boys and are like yeah. you know insecure about like what they look like or like no mom i don't want to wear that i want to wear this or something yeah. you know what i mean no for sure so i feel like that's like a prime age that yeah. that could have happened to you and yeah. how how did your mom how did your mom react to other people saying things as well as like what did she do initially yeah.
2: I think I didn't really tell my mom what people would say. Mm. I think it just brought light to it. I hated talking about it. I hated addressing it. I hated having conversations with people about it. So I like, would push that off as much as I could. But my mom's my mom, <laughs> and she knows me better than anyone. And let me just say, she was 100% my rock. Like I could not have done it without my mom. She would look at me every day and say, I can do hard things. I can do hard things. And we would repeat that over and over and over. And I was like, hey, I can do hard things. And she would come up with a lot of like different methods, different things that we could try. We tried painting my fingernails red as like a stop sign um, so that when I would start going for my lashes, I would see it and try to stop. Mm -hmm. We would put socks over my hand at night to try to help me. She would make little bets with me where it was like, if you can go 30 days and not do it. I'll take you to the American Girl Doll store. And we will go and we will celebrate. <laughs> and we did it. I went 30 days. I didn't do it um, because she had read that that's, like, about how many days it takes to kick a bad habit. Um, so we did that. And it just felt like this ongoing cycle because those 30 days would end. And it would just, like, rush back. And yeah. it would all
1: come. So at this point, your mom, it was more of, like, it was more of a bad habit than it was a disorder, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. like, I mean... I didn't even know what it was until you talked to us about it. So, yeah. Okay, that's what your mom was perceiving at that time as well.
2: Yeah, and she took me, I remember, kind of, she tells me more about this, but I remember going to a doctor at one point, point. Um, and my mom had a very, very strong impression at that appointment to not put me on any medication, because they wanted to put me on, um, like, antidepressants and all Anxiety. of that kind of stuff, which is awesome and totally works for people, and I, like, completely support modern medicine. But my mom got a very distinct impression, don't, um, don't do that. And she told me later on in life, she was reading in the scriptures one day and praying about it and struggled like this broke my mom, seeing me like this Mm -hmm. because it broke me and you know, our hearts are connected and all that. And she was reading the scriptures one day and it talked about the resurrection and how not a hair on their head will be lost. And it brought my mom to tears and she realized this is out of my control. This isn't something I can do. This doesn't change who Laura is as a person. It changes how she looks, but it doesn't change her. Yeah. So. That's,
0: that's powerful. That's powerful. If it's okay, I want to dive a little bit deeper and talk a little bit about the patterns that you notice with yourself. Um, when did this behavior, I guess, get reinforced or at what times of day or in what moods did you find yourself Acting out like in the trichotillomania behavior?
2: It was mainly at night um, because it was dark. I was alone, so I couldn't see and I could just do it. It was never around people um, unless I was like super, super anxious or super, super stressed about something. It would kind of come out, but it was usually by myself at night um, in moments where I felt extremely anxious or if I was bored also. Um, just any of, like, those kind of negative feelings, it would really come out, and it's interesting because part of, actually, trichotillomedia is right after you kind of go through, like, a sitting of doing it, because it would come in clumps more than just, like, randomly throughout the the day. It was, like, Mm -hmm. a session, I guess you could say, just, like, one blocked off time, and immediately after that are those feelings of guilt or shame, like, Mm -hmm. you immediately, right after that, regret everything that you just did, um... So it was mainly just moments in isolation mm-hmm. when it would act up.
1: Can you like describe the urges? Like, is it mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Like for me, I, I can see like an urge being something like, I don't know, lots of things. Like uh, I'm stressed yeah. or I'm annoyed or like describe that urge. What no, I that think that's, that's like. such
0: a good question because it's sounding a lot like really similar to addiction, honestly. Yeah. So I'd yeah. love to hear your own point of view from what those felt like.
2: It honestly did. Like, when I hear people talk, I haven't, like, dealt with addiction other than, I guess, Um, But it honestly felt a lot like that, where my mind would scream at me not to do it because I knew it hurt, first of all. It was painful. Um, I hated how it made me look. I hated how it made me feel. So my brain remembered those feelings and would, like, scream at me to stop.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I would try so hard, and I would, like, put my hands underneath me i would do everything in my power not to but i just like couldn't like my body would just do it i don't know how else to describe it other than i told myself not to and i had to and i couldn't stop and it was the most frustrating thing um in the world just having no control over what your body was doing
1: yeah okay that that's that's really interesting because kind of with our addiction episode i was thinking the same thing when like how was your relationship with one the lord during this time but also with your testimony about agency because i feel like um like for example like for eating disorders or something like that there's there's always like a a fine line between like i can take care of this myself but then there's like this is an addiction or this is a disorder this is something you can't just fix with your own willpower um how, how would you kind of address that whole situation with agency and with this being a disorder and not necessarily something you can just will away?
2: You know, I think my view on it has changed because at the time, like I said, I didn't know it was a disorder until I was well out of it, probably till I was like 17 or 18. Mm. I didn't know yeah. that it was a disorder. Mm. I thought it was just me. So I thought it was my agency and kind of going back to what I said before, like in retrospect, I realized it wasn't, but in the moment it felt like I am choosing to do this Yeah. and I don't have control. Like I am weak and I submit easily to like temptation and I don't have control over like
1: mm-hmm.
2: myself is really what it felt like. So honestly, a pretty unhealthy relationship with For agency because sure. it felt like I was choosing it when now that I look back on it, I see that I wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but really my relationship with the Lord, that's like probably the most pivotal part of the story and the thing that like saved me
1: throughout mm-hmm. it all. And when do you think that started? Like like between the ages of eight and 10 is when it started and happened and you were trying, your mom was trying to help you kick it, all these situations. And then like, when was like the point where it's like, okay, I can't do this by myself. I obviously need some type of divine help. Yeah. When? What age was that? And like, What did that look like?
0: Yeah, what was the rock bottom point? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, Definitely hit it. (laughs) Um, It was probably around 12 to 14, I would say, were the years that it stopped going down. Um, Probably around the age of 12 is when I hit that rock bottom. And I remember just kneeling, being in my bedroom by myself one night. I think I had just um, pulled down my lashes again. And it was hard, like you said. Like, now I was hitting puberty, I mm-hmm. was going into junior high. Girls were wearing makeup, girls were carrying, like, started having crushes on guys in my age group. And I remember just hitting the ground one night and sobbing, um, and just um, looking up to heaven and just being like, God, I can't do it. <laughs> I was like, I physically cannot do this by myself. I have tried, I have tried, I've tried for years. I have tried, um. And basically screaming at him (laughs) and just saying, I can't, so don't make me do it by myself anymore. Um, And to be honest, it was really cool to see the miracles that followed right after that. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't think I could exactly describe what happened other than Christ took me. He put me under his wing and he changed me and it went away. Like the impulsions stopped. Stopped. Um, which was crazy. It was something that I never thought I would ever experience in my life, but when I turned it over to the Lord, it went away.
0: Mm. That's that's incredible. I want to spend just a little bit more time on this, what I feel like is this battle of agency, um, yeah. because our Heavenly Father and our Savior are all for agency. That is one of the most <laughs> key things about the plan of salvation. Yeah. And the adversary, Satan, is all about taking away that agency. Yeah. And so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on this. But I feel like I'm seeing a little bit of a theme. When it comes to addiction, addiction is taking away agency through brain chemistry, through yeah. a physiological change. Mm-hmm. And I feel like while I'm not that, I guess, experienced when it comes to mental health disorders, whether it be OCD, anxiety, depression, or that kind of thing, I'm, I'm beginning to think that it's a lot of the same thing. or through these different disorders that we don't voluntarily get into. For sure. I think, Satan takes away our agency. Hey, what are, do you have thoughts on I that? Was,
1: I was thinking kind of more of like, like my story as well, I feel like can really play in, like sexual abuse even has a role in agency. Like what am I choosing versus like, what am I being forced to do? And I think that's the same with addiction or any type of disorder is like that line between Well, what what, like, I I don't really think we can distinguish that line, if I'm being honest, like, I think it's definitely like a personal situation every single time. Um, But I think that the only way we're even able to distinguish that line is like to understand where we're at and where we want to be, like truly our true intentions, and what's like actually happening. Because I feel like that's that's kind of the line of like what is what what do I really want versus what is ha- actually happening in reality, if that makes sense. And I don't think that's just straight out of willpower or straight out of trying to get out of it. But I don't know. It's an interesting kind of narrative. The switch between the
0: two. I well, haven't I think really
1: thought about it till right now. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. No, no, no. I think <laughs> I think you
0: make a great point because the first step in the twelve step program for addicts, whether it be sexual addiction, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, thing like that is admitting your own powerlessness, mm-hmm. which could be seen as the ultimate sign of agency is choosing to submit your will to a higher power and admitting yeah. that you aren't physically able to overcome something, which I think is a choice that you make the ultimate sign of awareness and the ultimate choice of agency.
1: Yeah. Cause then it comes down to humility and, What are you willing to admit that you can't do by yourself? Yeah. Um, That's deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's a powerful principle.
0: Well, I I think because I've noticed a a pattern as well when it comes to addicts or anything like that is that that moment of turning your will over to God and just recognizing how powerless you are over something. And I think I experienced that in myself um, fighting addiction and just getting to that point where – you have nowhere else to turn. Yeah. But I've also feel like I've experienced that that moment where you don't feel the urges or you don't feel the temptations as, as much yeah. anymore. So I think that's so interesting when it comes to your story. Yeah.
1: So from your spiritual kind of guide, why do you doing this? Blah blah blah. I hate my life type of thing. You had this <laughs> I feel like that's how kind of <laughs> summed <laughs> up for me. Um <laughs> is like where did the progress come from there? Like you said all these miracles happened but did you change anything did your mom change anything did you guys have a different outlook on it now that the lord was kind of a huge even he probably was a huge role in general yeah yeah um just because of the nature of your f- fabulous mother cynthia <laughs> um but also like what shout out to cynthia we <laughs> love cynthia <laughs> so adorable um like What was that progress step looking like after you kind of just had that hit rock bottom moment? Because I feel like it'd be different than what you did before, right? Yeah. Okay.
2: Because I think what I did before, and this is still a lesson the Lord constantly teaches me, is I like control.
1: And -hmm. I think a lot of that stems from
2: everything I experienced as a child is like I didn't have control. So when I don't have control over situations, it really freaks me out. Mm So when I was little and before I kind of hit that rock bottom, I just wanted control over the entire situation. It was like, I need to do this, I need to figure out what to do, I need to come up with methods, ways that we can stop this. And I think my mom was kind of in the same boat with me right there. Is we were both kind of in this stage of like, we have to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. And I think after I hit that point where I gave it to the Lord, I think my mom hit a very similar point. Like I mentioned before when she read read the scriptures. I mean, she probably hit that point well before I did because she's much more mature and smarter than I am. So she reached that before you I cut did. Cut
0: yourself some slack. You were like 12 years old. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, to be fair, I was
2: I was. young. Yeah. Um, but I think when I finally hit that point too, we realized we need to stop taking control of this and we need to give control to the Lord. We need to stop setting boundaries on what he can do. We need to stop thinking that he can't perform miracles. Like Christ raised... The dead, Mm -hmm. like Christ made the blind to see, the deaf to hear. He did all these beautiful things. And why do we put him in a box and limit him and think that he can't do that now? There's no
1: logic needed. There is
2: no logic needed. There is no perfect method that we had to follow in order for it to go away. We Mm -hmm. had to say, Christ, heal me. Mm
1: -hmm. Christ,
2: enable me. Christ, give me the power to do something that I physically can't do. And that was the biggest shift when we were able to recognize miracles exist today. Yeah, like Miracles are so real when we just expect them and we allow them to happen. Mm -hmm. So the minute we opened the door and allowed those miracles to happen in our lives, specifically in my life and everything I was going through, it was like a flood. It was like I couldn't, I can't even describe it. I really don't know how to put it into words. It was like it just stopped. Like I didn't do anything.
1: Your urges stopped. My urges
2: just mm. stopped. And I mean, I'm that's not to say they're perfect and they're completely gone and I don't do anything anymore. Um, there's still lasting effects from everything that I went through. For sure. But the urges stopped, and beyond that, he blessed me. Um Philippians four thirteen is like one of my favorite scriptures. And I know it's like everyone's favorite scripture and like everyone has it everywhere, but Tim Tebow, <laughs> Tim Tebow. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Um, But here's the thing. I tell this to Bray all the time. Basic things are basic for a reason. Facts. I love that. Because they're good. Exactly. That's why everyone loves Chick-fil-A. That's why it's basic. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, couldn't go without mentioning Chick-fil-A in this podcast.
0: (laughs) Um,
2: But I really believe that. I believe that scripture is so well-known because it is so powerful. Like, we can do all things through Christ. And my favorite part about it is which strengtheneth us. Like, he not only enables us mm-hmm. to do things that we physically can't do on our own and enables us to accomplish tasks that we can't do, but he strengthens us because of it. Yeah. For some reason, and I don't know why, and I know this isn't everyone's story, but for some reason, Christ strengthened me and blessed me beyond what I deserve. Yeah. My lashes grew back. My eyebrows grew back. Everything grew back. And I don't know why. I know that's not what happens to everyone. But it built my testimony as that little 12, 13-year-old that Christ performs miracles today. And Christ Christ performed a miracle in my life. Christ changed me. Um, And I don't know why, but he did. And it, to this day, is something that I will never forget. And I hope to share with as many people as I can.
0: One, is because he loves you. That's why. Um, but I wanted to ask a little bit as well because I think it's such an interesting paradox that as we try and control our lives more, I mm-hmm. think you put it really succinctly that we limit God and the power that he can have yeah. over yeah. our lives. Facts. And as we give up control and as we give him power and, and our will and following him and whatever it might be, the horizons become unlimited. Mm -hmm. that's it's incredible i think i think that's so cool that we're all trying to control every aspect of our lives and as we learn to give up that control give up our will everything changes
1: yeah i think it's very interesting too is it was an intentional giving up to the lord but also it's very intentional how the lord strengthened you it was it wasn't just passive it wasn't just this happened here or this happened like i just I want to bless Laura this way, or I want to bless Laura because she's obedient. You know what I mean? Yep. It was very intentional that the Lord kind of, you reached out to him super profoundly and kind of gave up around 12. And then the Lord was like, all right, I'm going to gonna I'm gonna give you a miracle at this age, you know? Yeah. Because I think during that time, kind of like we told you, or kind of like we talked about, um... It's very much a very formative time. Mm-hmm. so that when you did get to sixteen and seventeen and eighteen when you start dating and you start really caring about your appearance more than others, and then social media is even a huge thing yeah. during those age or during yeah. when we were those ages mm-hmm. and and we had to perform and become this person every single day and I can't imagine in California, let alone with this you, you just you have to you just have to be a certain <laughs> person and yeah. look a certain way in order to create. The narrative that you want and and how did how did that affect you? it affected you like we talked about and how you felt about yourself but how did it affect you when you started dating and talking to boys and boys being interested in you because you're gorgeous and oh, i don't know kind? all the things all the things like that yeah. what laura
0: is laura is a very beautiful person yeah. oh that's She's very kind Literally, stop, stop. God,
2: stop. <laughs> oh my gosh you guys are too kind um it's so
0: interesting,
2: actually, that you, like, bring that up because I think oftentimes in my mind, I am still that 12-year-old. Mm, I think oftentimes I still see myself in that way. And so I remember at a young age just being like, hey, i got to have a bomb personality. Like, something's <laughs> got to get me through this <laughs> life. So I was like, i got to be funny. i got to be witty. Like, i got to work on that. Um, and I started, like, really focusing on who I was as a person, which is really cool because I think it gave me a lot of, like, space to develop on who I was on the inside rather than just the outside Mm -hmm. because to this day I don't think and you guys can probably attest to this I'm working on it I'm working on it we're getting better at it but I'm not the most confident person Um, I know I can act that way but I don't think I am and I think it totally just changed my perspective on what I looked like from the outside and I this sounds so dramatic and so sad (laughs) but I think I felt I was very undesirable Mm -hmm. to men yeah Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just reached that point and I had gorgeous friends growing up and I just remember being like I was just the bro I was the one that would just like be friends with guys And I think that still limits me in my dating life because I still View myself in that light in some ways that I still just think And once again, I know it sounds dramatic but like that undesirable where it's like oh guys don't really want me as like A girlfriend or to date me they just want to be my friend and i'm great doing that i love being friends with people like we talked about in the beginning i am extroverted a little unhealthily um (laughs) that i just like thrive off of being with people yeah but it's definitely just changed my perspective on dating and it's made it kind of hard
1: yeah i feel like kind of a theme with dealing with really hard things that's happened in your life is gaining that confidence which is very interesting because it's like i listened to your story i listened to aaron's story and i I never in a million years would be like, this person is ugly, horrible, and they need to work. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. never think those things. But, yeah. like, we think about those things within ourselves all the time. But that, like, confidence, it doesn't exist because we don't actually believe that for ourselves. Yeah. And even when people tell us we still don't believe it, like, what what's going to help us believe it? Like, right? understand our confidence, but also believe that we are the amazing person that we try and be every single day and like this type of pressure we put on ourselves sometimes. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think I wanted to ask you as well, like what was the difference from that pivotal day yeah. in your own confidence in yourself, even if it's just in a spiritual sense or an emotional sense um, or in a physical sense, I want to hear how you felt about yourself differently that day. And as the days progressed, how that changed.
2: That's an interesting question. My goodness, you're making me ponder over here. Um, Honestly, I think I gained a lot of confidence in, like you said, like my emotional and my spiritual sense. One area of my life I know I have confidence in is my spiritual area of my life, I guess you could say. like I love my Savior, and that is not ever going to be taken away from me. No one can ever tell me otherwise. Nothing can ever make me believe otherwise. No matter what I go through, what he sees is worth or sees is something I need to go through in this life. I know it'll be for my good. I have so much confidence in him and his love for me. And that really changed from that day forward because I saw it at such a great level at such a young age Mm. and it completely transformed me because it was just like, okay, Christ is my rock. Christ is everything. Christ is like always going to be there for me. So I think my confidence spiritually completely shifted where the gospel became something that was much less passive in my life, but very, very active. Mm. It was the thing that motivated me to do anything in life. It was, you know, like the reason I wake up and I do things in the morning and the reason I can sleep at night is all because of the Lord. I attribute everything back to him. And so I think that confidence shifted a lot. And more confidence has grown and things have grown as my life has, you know, continued forward. But From that day forward, I think confidence spiritually excelled. Like,
1: that went through the roof. Yeah, and you're having confidence not in yourself but in God. Yeah. Do you think that, kind of going back to the whole shaming thing, do you think that kind of repaired with time and in your relationship with shame versus guilt and kind of the atonement taking power over that? Just because when you apply that principle correctly, it's it moves mountains but right. getting to that application part of this isn't guilt this isn't a sin this is something i'm struggling with this is a disorder it's not it's not necessarily i'm using my agency wrong it's how can i continue to use my agency right you yeah. know yeah. it's not dismissing what's happening i don't know if that makes sense
2: no it does and i think a lot of that came over a long period of time Because, like I said, I didn't figure out that it was, like, a legit disorder (laughs) until I was well out of it. Yeah. Where it wasn't something that I was constantly dealing with every single day. And so it was a lot of, like, retrospect and just looking back on it and being like, oh, like, that was Christ. Or, like, oh, that wasn't Mm -hmm. a sin. Like, that wasn't something bad. So it's not something that I think I necessarily learned in the moment, but I learned after.
1: Yeah. That's incredible.
0: That is is awesome. And I think that...
1: And I think the majority of adults don't do that. Like I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like like our society. I think us as a, I was telling my mom this the other day. I was like, I'm just gonna let you know. And and my best friend too. She's not um, an active member of the church. But I'm like, I'm just gonna let you know. Like the reason why I have so much faith in this church one and two, in like it continuing and in, in being what the Lord has prophesied it's gonna be is because of like my friends because of the people I surround myself with and how they apply the principles of the gospel and they do it in a way that's correct. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I I think there's a lot of people who apply the principles of the gospel with really, really good intentions, Mm -hmm. but don't apply it in the best way. Maybe is how I should say it. Not correct or wrong. The healthiest way. Yeah. The healthiest way, a way to, so that we can progress and become better. And I, and I think that's a societal problem too, is like us, as human beings, even adults, not like having the willpower to change. And I just think our generation, especially in the church, are just like, all right, let's change. like Let's freaking be better because I hate sucking right (laughs) now. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's that's a great
0: point. We do hate sucking. Um, I was going to ask you, too, because I think there's this stark contrast. We all grew up, I mean, all three of us grew up in the church Mm -hmm. attending primary listening to songs such as i am a child of god my heavenly father loves me and we we grow up i feel like knowing that and knowing that it's a divine truth but at what point in your life did you really feel and know that heavenly father loves you for who you are regardless of how you look
1: yeah and that's just like a passive thing we talked about this Mm one time it's not like a God loves me. I'm a daughter of God. It's not like, like
0: they're bearing the testimony. Like the No. Kid, like, I it's know like a I
1: legit, I feel it, I know it, I live it. It's And acceptance. every time I make a decision, that reflects it. You know yeah. what I mean? Honestly, I think it was
2: at that pivotal point um, that we've kind of talked about. And I couldn't tell you the date. I couldn't remember exactly where I was. But I just remember a lot of really strong feelings. I also remember, um, this is kind of a random story, but... Music has always spoken to me. If You two know this. I love music. I have played music my whole life. I just, music is like
1: my life. I'm excited to be your roommate and to wake up to this beautiful <laughs> life. Laura
0: is insane on the piano. Piano, like Mozart <laughs> thing. It's going to just put me in a great mood every Way day. too many compliments <laughs> today.
1: It's <laughs> making me
2: uncomfortable. Um, but I just love music, and I think the Lord speaks to me through music a lot. And I remember one night, um, probably around that same pivotal moment. I think I just learned a lot about God at that age of like, when I turned to him in complete despair, when I asked him if he loved me, um, and asking that question is so powerful. And we're told all the time, like, just ask God if he loves you and like, you'll get an answer. Mm. But like, it's so true. Like, I remember just sitting and being like, God, do you really love me? Like, despite my flaws, despite my weaknesses, despite what I look like, despite the things that I am going through, do you really love me? And I remember just shuffling the music on my phone and plain white tees. One, two, three, four came on. And I was like, okay. And I like skipped to the chorus. Like I just like scrolled my finger and went to a specific part of the song. And it simply just said, there's only one way to say these three words for you. I love you. Mm -hmm. And that moment forward, (laughs) there we go. (laughs) Bray, give us a little demo, would you? (laughs) Um, But I just remember being completely overwhelmed and just being like, he loves me. Like, and that's not passive. That's not something that is just fun words to help me get through the day. But like, there is a divine being who cares so much. And he is the listening. He listened when I hit my knees that night and I begged him to take it away. He listened when my mom hit her knees and said, take it away from her. He listened to my happy days, the things that were going really well in my life. He listens to everything. And he has such a deep love for me. And I think it was so evident when I realized how many details he was in throughout the entire process. Yeah. That he gave me the mom that he did to help me through it. Sure. He gave me her knowledge of Christ so I could rely on that knowledge of Christ. Even though I didn't completely understand the atonement at that time, he gave me a mom that did mm-hmm. so that she could lead me to go do that. And so I think in those moments and since then, I've just been like, he loves me. Like yeah. even when he puts me through it and I'm through the refiner's fire and I hate it and it's burning and I don't ever want to do it again, He loves me. Um, It's so simple. But like we said before, it's a basic thing that's basic for a reason. Like, He loves us. Mm -hmm. And that is a really powerful truth when you internalize it.
0: That action right there, too. If anyone is feeling, if anyone is doubting right now that Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father or our Savior loves you individually as a person for who you are, please do what Laura did at that time and and ask Him. Or ask the people around you that love you. Um, some lyrics just popped into my head as well, because I feel like music speaks to me too. say what you will about Andy Grammer, but he has this one really <laughs> profound song. I wanted to, I wanted to read some lyrics though. Um, cause I think it applies a lot to our lives and the things that we go through. Um, I don't know what the background is to this song, but it's called wish you pain. Um, and it says, I'm just going to read two verses and then the chorus. It says, I hope your doubts come like monsters and terrorize your dreams. I hope you feel the lonely hopelessness because no one else believes. I hope you question whether you ever really had a chance at all. I hope your fear is thick like poison that gets into your blood. I hope you push until you cannot breathe and it's still not enough. I hope you put your life out on the line and everybody watches while you fall because I love you more than you can know. And your heart, it grows every time it breaks. I know that it might sound strange, but I wish you pain. It's hard to say, but I wish you pain.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: I think that's, he probably wrote that from a perspective of a father to his kid, but I think it's really applicable to our own lives that the things that we go through is literally what's refining us to become the people that we need to be. And we go through them because our Heavenly Father loves us.
1: Yeah, and physiologically that makes sense too when it comes to like muscles, like... We have to break our muscles in order to grow them, in order to strengthen them. And so that's why the Lord puts us through tests. Right.
0: But when you're in the middle of it, oh yeah, oh, it the hurts. perspective <laughs> gets lost. And then
1: oh, like completely. walk Like yeah. a, like a light-skinned basketball player. Who <laughs> I
2: wish you guys could see a... Bray <laughs> pretending to walk but right
1: like, now, you know like a light-skinned really basketball, basketball player. Away. Yeah, yeah. are like eyes like hurt, and you like do this little weird little waddle <laughs> thing, and it hurts so bad, and it like is the worst. But then you go back to the gym for some reason. And it hurts to do anything because you're so sore. <laughs> and then the two days after that, you're even more sore. Oh, she's going through it right now. because <laughs> <laughs> I'm or really sore right now. That's
0: feeling this,
1: <laughs>
0: Laura, I had another question, though, for you. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Well, first of all, I love that principle. And it, it's so applicable.
1: Because Aaron loves physical health as well as mental health.
0: <laughs> That's very true. Um, Hashtag we love good things. <laughs> we do love good things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> kind of weird, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: Bray's really
1: tired. <laughs> Bray's running off a couple hours of
0: sleep. Um,
2: Excuse
0: her. <laughs> but, Laura, I wanted to ask because I know, like, you said the urges went away, mm. but the mental side of things don't, I feel like, ever completely go away. Mm. So, as you think about your life right now, I mean, you're a return missionary. Um, mm. How and when does that ever resurface? And what feelings yeah. come up when it yeah. does?
2: Um, It actually resurfaces in a lot of different ways now. Um, If you're one of my close friends, you probably realize I like play with my hair all the time. Um, And that's it comes when I get really bored, anxious, stressed, all of those feelings. It really comes up again. Um, And now I just take it out on my poor hair, but (laughs) way better um, than eyelashes and stuff. So it definitely still resurfaces. And I think it's actually interesting. The thing with mental health that I have learned over the past years Mental health is like physical health, where physical health, you have to feed yourself. You have to exercise. You have to drink water. You have Mm -hmm. to do things to keep it strong. And that is the exact same thing with mental health. Um, It is something that needs care. Whether it be someone that has a mental illness, someone that is going through something or not, you have to take care of yourself mentally, Mm -hmm. Um, just like we do with our physical bodies. And so I think I've learned about that a lot of like, how can I keep my mind healthy so that it doesn't go back to those dark places again so that it doesn't go back to those moments that I had when I was a little girl. Like what are things that I can do to keep my mind healthy? Um, and so I've just learned a lot about that. And I think when I, you know, forget about that, or I forget to like take moments to be with myself, to meditate, to think about things, to let my mind heal and grow is when I do kind of go back to Mm -hmm. those old feelings. Um, it's like, when I eat food, that is bad for me, which is apparently every food, because my body hates me fun fact, um but like when fun you eat fact. food that is bad for you, it hurts you, and so mm-hmm. it's the
1: same thing with mental health, like you have to take care of it um that is very true. I work in the e r and I've been doing it for about a year. I just do insurance and billing, but I'm like kind of a spectator on the fly on the wall because I kind of know I have to know the procedures of things um and the way that physicians handle um crisis situations. So if anybody is having like some type of suicidal ideation yeah. or if somebody um is in custody of the police and they like mentally are not okay, they have to get yeah. like they have to get checked out by a physician. And in the way that the physicians have to handle it and prescribe it is is very similar to a physical problem. Like if somebody came in with like a kidney stone or somebody yeah. came in with like their appendicitis is gonna happen or I don't know Their what is it called their appendix is gonna <laughs> rupture that's what I was gonna <laughs> say is, gonna <laughs> happen. um they, they treat it very much the same way and it's because
0: yeah
1: it's because it is they have they have to treat it with with medication they they have an action plan before they're discharged they they have to take these steps if they need they have to be admitted into the hospital and get looked at for longer you know what I mean and so I think I think with time, which is kind of really good, especially in our society right now, we have a really good focus on mental health and like getting better, and obviously we can be better, but i think I think that's becoming less of a taboo thing, yeah, like at least when we were all going through our situations, I feel like it was mm-hmm. pretty taboo mm-hmm. was mental health in, a, in in addressing it in a physical manner but mm-hmm. um I want to ask you, if somebody say your daughter or say a really close friend is dealing with trichotillomania, what would be like your best advice to like help them out of it, one, but also save their confidence while going through it?
0: Mm, I love that.
2: Yeah. You know, that is a very good question. Because um, I think something that's really interesting is trichotillomania doesn't really go away. I don't know why in a lot of forms it did for me. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen to everyone. We learn from the scriptures that sometimes the lord heals and sometimes he doesn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um like we look at I read that a quote once and it's really long so and I don't know where it is and it's going to take me too long to find it but it's something along the lines of like for every um like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego there's an Abednai. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For some reason struggles the and, lord yeah. saves people from the fire and other times he makes them go through it. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing I think I would tell people is don't do it alone. Like you don't have to be by yourself in this. It's not something to be shameful for. Of like, look towards other people. Be there for other people. Let other people be there for you. Let other people help you. um Don't try to do it by yourself. Rely on your savior. Re- savior. Rely on your friends. Like those are the people that are going to help you through it. And I think that's one advice I would give them. And I think as far as confidence goes. You are so much more than your appearance. Yeah. (laughs) And I know everyone says that. And I know everyone talks about that. And that is a great thing to hear and a harder thing to internalize. Mm -hmm. But it is so true. Like, first off, I just think everyone's beautiful in their own ways. I really do. I think every single person has a story to tell. Every single person has depth to them. Every single person has been through it. And that is shown in your outward appearance. For sure. And if you're a good person on the inside, that beauty will radiate, radiate out of you.
1: Yeah.
2: Like, I'm sure everyone can agree, agree that the more you get to know a person, they become more or less attractive mm-hmm. in your eyes. Yeah. Um, because you learn their soul and it's beautiful. So,
1: mm-hmm.
2: like, yes, I know we all want to be this beautiful person from the outside as well. But when we work on the inside, we are so much more beautiful. Yeah and God sees that, and that's the person that matters. Like in reality, I would rather think God, like I would rather God think I was beautiful than anyone else. Mm-hmm. I would rather him think that I am, you know, just all that in a bag of chips than anyone else. So I think the biggest thing that I would say is just work on like you, work on yeah. you as an individual and as a person, because that is so much more telling than anything from the outside.
1: Yeah, I also think spiritually too. Yeah. like if you're spiritually working on yourself and killing it like you glow you glow <laughs> yeah. and you feel great and i i i agree i think there is this weird obsession with bodies in this world today i, I was like thinking about that when i was on tiktok the other day i was like it's just weird to me it's hypersexualization like, yeah it's yeah. Just, it it got to a weird point for me cuz i'm like i don't like it's just so weird that you're so obsessed with how you look mm that it doesn't matter what you are on the inside. Like, yeah. you have nothing more to you than, than than what you look like. And I know that's not true of, of the women and men who, yeah. who perceive that because I think they really probably are struggling on the inside as well. Yeah. But totally. I think, 100%. I don't know, having that perception just makes other people who are trying to not have the perception of themselves become more prevalent, and I think it's, it's an epidemic within our society. That's very hard, but, I mean, unfortunately, we have social media that broadcasts all of that. Yeah.
0: For real. Um, as we wrap this up, I, I just have, I think we just have a couple more questions, but I wanted to get practical really quick because you talked earlier about things that you do nowadays that keep you out of that dark place, mm-hmm. at least for the most part, and I think that's really an important thing to hit on. Um, so if you wouldn't mind sharing, what are some of those things, how often do you go to them? Um, and what's, what's the process like?
2: Yeah. It's a lot of different things. If I'm being honest, um, some of them are like those temporal things, those temporal things that call me, those temporal things that help me. One of them being the piano, another being like art, that kind of form. Another one being sports. Another one being people like just finding those things in my life that bring me that joy. And when I feel like I'm going into that dark place or I feel like I'm starting to enter into that world, turning towards those things that I have previously decided make me happy. Like writing a list even. Like having like a physical list of like, these are things that will help.
0: I love that. And
2: in that moment being like, I don't want to do any of those things. But being able to look back at that (laughs) list and be like, okay, I know this helps, so I'm going to go play the piano. Or I know this helps, so I'm going to go hang out with Bray and Aaron. You know, like just figuring out those things that help. And relying on those during the time is one of the things. And then I would say the second thing, and I probably have said this so many times today, but basic things are basic for a reason. And I think primary answers <laughs> are primary answers for a reason because they are powerful. Reading scriptures, praying, going to church, participating of the sacrament intentionally, like consciously taking the sacrament every week. Yeah. Those simple answers are simple for a reason because they help so much. Like we do not give enough power to those simple answers because those are the things that drive us. Those are the things that help us. Those are the things that motivate us to go every single day.
1: And they're the hardest things to do because they help so much.
2: It's that same thing where sometimes we have to write a list and when we don't want to do them, we have to look back and be like, no, that helped me. I need to do that because that helped me. And it's a daily conscious effort to keep yourself out of there. It's not something that I can only do when I'm in a dark place. You have to do it when mm. you're in light places too. Yeah. Because then when those dark so places you're come, good exactly. And you don't have to find the light when you're in the dark because you're already there. Yeah. You're clinging to it. You're focusing on it. Mm, so when like the dark that. comes, you don't have to find it. Yeah. Like you know where
0: to go. That is okay. freaking gold. <laughs> that's that's so good. And I want I want everyone... That I mean, is perfect. That honestly, <laughs> honestly, anyone, this doesn't only. I mean, and I'm. This is very obvious. This doesn't only apply to people that are struggling with OCD or trichotillomania. Yeah. But everyone goes through dark times in their life, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a pattern, and sometimes we can notice that. But just like what Laura said, if you're conscious about, I love that idea of making a list, mm-hmm. and finding the things that make you happy, finding the things that make you feel fulfilled and doing them consciously on a yeah. daily to keep you out of those dark places. Yeah. It's not gonna work 100% of the time, but that is tried and tested and proven. Yeah. I mean, look at you now.
1: <laughs> oh. That's, it's, it, it shows. It yeah, shows when absolutely. you do those things, you put them into practice, it's not just a good idea, but no. let's frickin' do it and yeah. let's grind, let's struggle, but let's also continue the battle. It works every time, it you does. know.
0: You yeah. don't wait till you're in a dark place to do them either.
1: Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's prep. <laughs>
0: it's preparation. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that, Laura. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. Let's do our last
0: question. Yeah, Aaron. we want to do our last. I'm question. I'm ready for it. <laughs> um,
1: so, Laura, our our show is called Into the Light, and for each episode, um, that is our goal. What do you think from your experience? and from getting through your experience also dealing with your experience on a daily basis with trichotillomania what would be the thing that you want to bring to light or bring into the light for others
2: yeah i think two things number one and i kind of mentioned this before seriously you do not have to do anything alone in fact we were not meant to do anything alone Yeah. because guess what christ already went through it mm-hmm. christ already felt it all in some way in some form i don't completely understand the mechanics of it but Christ felt every single thing that we've ever felt. He had to have lived each and every single one of our lives in order to completely comprehend everything that we're going through. Mm. And are we just like gonna let him do that for nothing? Are we just gonna be like, that's great, glad you lived it. I'm gonna try to do this my way. No, like we were meant to rely on our savior, so rely on him. He enables, he strengthens in a capacity that I don't completely understand, Mm -hmm. in a capacity that I don't completely know how it works, but I know that it does. Because it is so powerful when we give it to him and we let him take over and we realize we don't have to do it by ourselves. And I think kind of building off of that, too, don't make other people do it alone either. Mm. Because I would have I had my mom and that was the reason I got through it. But I would have loved to have other friends to be there too, other people to help support other people to talk to about it, to be there for me, just being there for other people. Um, Because, you know, everyone has an outward appearance and it's very easy for us to judge it. It's very easy, I'm sure, for people to look at me and think I am a confident person and yeah. I know what's going on in my life and I feel great about myself. When in reality, what we've talked about today, I am not. And so no matter what people look like from the outside, everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has something that they are going through. That's why I love people. Because no matter how sad they look from the outside, how happy they look, how confident, how Douchey, how annoying like (laughs) everyone has depth yeah everyone has a story we can learn from everyone and like I said we were not meant to do it alone we have a savior and we have each other and we need to rely on those things if we're going to make it through life because life is hard and life was meant to be hard if it was easy we wouldn't be here Mm -hmm. Um, but I think the biggest thing is don't do it alone and don't make people do it alone I love that I love that so much
1: um, I think it's important to to put at the end of this podcast I was looking up this this is coming from i didn't let anybody know about this, but um <laughs> some resources because I think it's important to to find like you said don't mm-hmm. go through this alone um but also sometimes people don't know where to start. One thing that was going through my mind um when we were getting ready for this podcast was the book called the Infinite Atonement mm. yeah um that book's gotten me through a lot of. Th- really bad times it's incredible. Um, and also another one that I think is important is um, understanding the disorder a little bit more and I understood about the disorder <laughs> when I was getting ready <laughs> for this through mayoclinic.org mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that's a great resource as well as understanding it and also there is a um, there's two websites called trickfree.com or trick-free.com and then trickstop.com and they're two um, really cool organizations that aren't really aren't really trying to profit. They're just trying to help, and they just give re- good resources and programs and things like that. How are how are
0: those spelled, to... Bray?
1: T R I C H Trick Dash Free dot com, and then Trick Stop com. Awesome. And they're just two they're two really cool resources that help other people, right? Like so, like I always say that the gospel for like. The gospel for me in my situation, the gospel for Laura in her situation is what kind of facilitated the healing and is what started the healing. But that's not everybody's start. Um, yeah. I think it's everybody's finish, but I don't think it's everybody's start. And so I think trying to help people get to that is, is I think, important thing to do on our podcast.
0: Absolutely. Um, we just want to thank Laura for everything that she shared today because it's, it's yes. not easy. It is not easy to share these things. Um,
1: yeah, this is not an easy thing It's a very
0: vulnerable thing to do. But I also, I kind of just want to put in the end of this podcast that this is what we're shooting for with this. Mm-hmm. I think everyone that meets Laura recognizes her extraordinariness. Yeah. Because yeah. she's awesome. She's amazing. But at the same time, like, we're all just normal people here. Yeah. But we all have a story about how we got to where we are in this life. Um, so... If you ever meet Laura, if you hadn't heard this, you would never know, I don't think. Yeah. You would never know that she went through this. But just like we, just like we say at the end of every podcast, if you have any stories that you want to share with us, please reach out. Um, we want to hear, and we want to help as many people as we can by getting these messages out to the most amount of people that we can. Um, yeah. Shoot us an email at intothelight5024 at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review if you could. <laughs> yeah, we don't us. care how many stars Roast you give us. us. <laughs> We're always asking for rose. Roast <laughs> <us>. <laughs> We like laughing at them, but we also take feedback very well. So yes. if you have any way that we could improve this, um, we would love to hear it. But again, Laura, thank you so much.
1: We love you. Thank you so much love for you guys. This.
0: Absolutely. I'm going <laughs> to <laughs> All right. That is Into the Light. We're signing out for now. Peace.